0: Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 174th-ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle?
1: I'm doing great, Cameron.
0: I was uh, I was a little bit late to
1: record today. I had to knit this sweater I'm wearing. Hmm. and yeah,
0: That's a sweater. Yeah. This vest. Okay. I mean.
1: I do. <laughs> Just kidding, I didn't make it myself. Oh, Probably right. store-bought like 10 years ago or something. It looks like homemade. It. it might be. Somebody might have made it at some point. Mm. It's just well, one time a year.
0: Looking great. Thanks. Um, Kyle, did you sleep well after two Mizzou losses? It is Christmas Eve Eve. Is it? What's today? Thursday? Right? Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. Christmas right. Eve Eve. Wow. And uh, we were up late watching, uh, watching not, our teams lose. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. great sports on TV.
1: Yep, we were. Uh, I slept just fine, thank you.
0: <laughs> mm. I had to get up at uh, five o'clock and feed a baby. Oh, but other than that, I slept pretty well. Um, how do you want to do this, Kyle? Do you want to just just jump into this bowl game, really dissect it?
1: Yeah, we know we have a couple of news things though, right?
0: Yeah, but one of the bigger news things is like chronologically post bowl game. Okay. So let's just do news right after that. Okay. Okay. Um, but first, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a like, comment, do that kind of stuff. You can now leave reviews or leave ratings on Spotify. Really? Mm. So if you could do that, that would be appreciated. And, of course, you can support the podcast directly through Patreon, and you can find the details of that at patreon.com slash Pod. Kyle Mizzou lost to Army. 24 to 22 Um, Brady Cook got the start He looked pretty good in my opinion Especially that first drive Uh, He was able to kind of Get the butterflies out by uh, Running for 30 yards for a touchdown On a really nice little option play Kind of gave Army a taste Of their own medicine Yeah we've
1: been running that option play all
0: season And it finally made
1: sense to do so Because (laughs) uh, Brady Cook kept it And nobody touched him Nobody was close to him
0: yeah, it was, a, it was a really good read um, to not give the handoff, and then he kind of like froze the secondary defender mm-hmm. with the pitch option to Chisholm, and uh, yeah, it was perfect. Perfectly executed, 30-yard touchdown.
1: Yeah, I thought Brady Cook, um, I thought he looked good last night. His first start ever, um, I, I was happy with how he played. Obviously, we know what he brings on the ground. He's, he really is pretty fast. Um, looked good throwing the ball. Uh, had a nice touchdown to Kiki Chisholm at the end of the game. He I, he looked like a, a pretty complete quarterback that with room to improve, for sure.
0: On that first drive, uh, there was a third down play where he kind of like scrambled out of the pocket and just like pitched it ahead to yeah. uh, Dawson Downing for a first down. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really good play. Um, I thought that Missouri's offense, all game long, was kind of doing whatever they wanted up until, like, the red zone yeah and then it was a little bit tougher i think army kind of has a little bit of a bin but don't break break defense and uh but there was huge holes to run through for the running backs and for brady cook and he was uh, getting the ball outside to his wide receivers the first two passes of the game both went to dominic lovett but then we didn't see him again yeah. the rest of the game but i don't know
1: yeah um i don't really know i don't really understand some of those personnel decisions sometimes i I don't know why we don't see love it ever again after the first two plays of the game um you know we had a really good first drive and it almost felt like i mean do i know some coaches like script their first drive i wonder if coach does that and then i don't know what happens after that but the first drive the last drive of the game both both really good both scoring drives and I don't really know what happened in between because it was a whole lot of a whole lot of nothing. I guess Missouri kicked a couple field goals, but
0: I just don't know what happened in the, like, 80% of the game between those two drives. Yeah, it was just like, um, it almost seemed like Missouri just had, you know, better offensive line play yes. than Army's defensive line. Yeah, they- and they could just kind of out-athlete them for, like, you know... 80 yards of the field mm-hmm. but then when it really takes solid execution to score the touchdown they're falling short and I think that I don't know that's maybe a little bit of a reductive way of looking at it but um, just you know a new quarterback first ever start uh, you don't have your all-american running back and um, it's going to be a little bit different. And sometimes just finishing off those drives with a touchdown is challenging when you have your very best players out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah,
1: like you said, the offensive line was dominant for most of the game. I mean, you could drive a truck through some of the holes that the running backs had in the game, especially early on. But, yeah, I I really felt like – just at least watching Missouri's offense, it feels like Missouri should have won that game. Um I'm I'm not really sure how they weren't able to score enough points to beat Army. It's a little disappointing. Uh there was a play on the second drive where Kiki Chisholm kinda caught like a lateral type pass kinda and then, you know, ran almost t- to the end zone. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure he didn't score honestly, and they didn't review it or anything. He yeah. kinda stretched out for it. He probably didn't score, but it was close and Missouri couldn't score a touchdown on that drive. Mm-hmm. I had to settle for a field goal. Um last year i feel like one of our biggest complaints of their offense was red zone issues that doesn't really seem to be resolved through this season either so i don't know gotta figure out how to punch it in
0: yeah um there was another drive well uh, you mentioned the final touchdown drive for missouri's offense um started at the one yard line yeah um with two minutes and 44 seconds left and brady cook was uh, completed seven of nine passes including the touchdown pass to Kiki Chisholm. And you and I, when that happened, we were both like, thought, what a perfect way to win this game potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, with Brady Cook throwing a touchdown pass to Kiki Chisholm, yeah. that would just be like closing the door on uh, the Connor lack era mm-hmm. and the struggles in the passing game and like rewarding Kiki Chisholm with a touchdown to potentially win the game in his final game at Missouri. That was going to be so perfect, but there was too much time on the clock and uh, they didn't get the two point conversion, which I mean, I think Brady cook had a really good game for his first ever start, but that was just uh, really unfortunate that he yeah. wasn't able to find the wide open guy there. Something was weird about that
1: two point conversion. It was like we, they on that we were watching the television broadcast obviously, and it looked like coach was like celebrating. It was there fist pumping. Mm-hmm uh around on the sideline after they scored the touchdown and then you know kind of showed something else for a while then went back to him before the play was run and mm-hmm. he looked like super angry all yeah. of a sudden and it, i don't know if it was because uh maybe that's the team wasn't prepared to go for two i don't know but something was weird it seemed rushed
0: going into the two point conversion well, uh, he, the coach was immediately calling for two like yeah. there was no hesitation in his mind so that you could very well be right that he was upset at the you know whatever personnel needed to be ready weren't or something yeah and so it looked
1: like they were maybe rushed going into the call and then you know the play starts and brady's kind of looking everywhere and i don't know the the even the throw just looked a little bit rushed he could have taken his time i think and and hit downing there but so that was yeah there was nobody around him nobody that was a little disappointing
0: and obviously that was the that was the the haunting play of the night (laughs) yeah but i mean even then that's not like you hit that pass, it's not a guarantee to win. Sure. I mean, yeah. Army, let's imagine they still go kick a field goal to tie it. We right. don't know what happens after that. There's, um, you know, scoring touchdowns instead of field goals is what would have won this game exactly. for Missouri, much more so than that two-point conversion. For sure,
1: yeah. It's hard to pin it on one play. Um, let's analyze maybe the coaching decisions at the end of the game there. Um, you know, Missouri scored too fast um i think i let's see i I don't have it in front of me of what that exact progression was but um i do oh great what what do you what do you want
0: to know about it just
1: uh, you know why did they do you think they could have taken more time off the clock there like what what could they have done differently
0: it's hard it's hard to say honestly um they got the ball with two minutes and 44 seconds left they everything was a first down or out of bounds like the first um you know there was three completed passes for first downs in a row and then uh elijah young ran out of bounds and then uh pass complete to barrett banister out of bounds all of those were stopping the clock so basically no like they got all the way to the army 17 yard line with a minute and a half still left on the clock yeah so i think that's just kind of like you, you can't it's it's just really hard because you can't yeah. try to stay in bounds right. uh, but they could have on those first down plays let more of the clock run down i think yeah with the I, play clock i think that's what the they ball. have to do I, I think they i don't know and they didn't know they were going to miss the
1: two point conversion obviously but I, I just definitely think you have to run the clock down there more you even even if you don't score i think uh, even if the game just ends right there, I think that's what you have to do. You have to try and control the clock, Yeah. and you don't give Army a chance to come back and score and, and only needing a field goal. Yeah, as I'm
0: looking at it and listening to you, I think before we started talking about this just now, I would have said, eh, I'm more worried about the tu- scoring the touchdown, but I think you're exactly right. I mean, yeah. that You just can't give Army the opportunity to get the ball back and do anything with it yeah and
1: i mean they're not an
0: explosive offense
1: so ideally it's going to be harder for them than a normal team to get into field goal range but they were able to do it they had enough time if they had half the amount of time i don't think they could have done it
0: oh absolutely and uh yeah so army got the ball back with a minute and 11 Mm -hmm. left and it was first and goal for missouri at the army six with a minute 20 But they only, you know, they ran two plays and scored a touchdown. Yeah. So that, at that point, that's kind of what I was thinking of before we started talking about it was like, well, when you've got the ball goal to go, it's hard to waste time trying to score a touchdown. Yeah. It's earlier in the possession, you know, once they got into the red zone where they they could have slowed it down. Yeah. 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 I I agree.
1: Um, One other coaching thing, Uh, fourth down play in the fourth quarter, I believe, it's when they brought Micah Wilson in and tried mm-hmm. to catch him off guard uh, catch him off sides I mean uh, what it, again retrospect uh, hindsight 2020 all that stuff they elect to not run a play with Micah Wilson I mean they needed not even a yard Yeah, it was like a half a yard maybe um, they call timeout mm-hmm. and then they run it with Dawson Downing and don't get it right that was a pretty frustrating sequence um, What what do you think I mean do you think they should have done anything differently there
0: yeah i mean it's easy to nitpick the play call afterwards but i thought once they came back from the timeout that's not the play to run um if you're gonna just hand it to downing Mm -hmm. then just go with like a super heavy package and just try to ram it up the middle for a yard i agree um otherwise do anything if you're gonna not go with the most conventional method of just like lining it up in a heavy formation and just trying to get that one yard um then just go completely away from that you know run a run a qb sneak run a read option yeah. yep um roll cook out to where he can run for it or throw to an underneath receiver you know any of those things would have been better than handing the ball off to downing
1: i'm like a slow developing
0: run play yeah yeah where, I Agree. yeah kind of more to the outside
1: Yeah, it was just it was brutal there, just to to not run the play, call a timeout, lose a timeout, and then still not get it was it was frustrating.
0: Yeah. Um, But those are, I mean, again, those are all just things that you don't even have to worry about if they turn those a couple of those field goals into touchdowns. Yep. I felt like Army
1: didn't do anything crazy offensively. They didn't really have any big plays that broke off. Um, It felt like they just kind of eight away at Missouri kind of nickel and dimed us a little bit Yeah,
0: especially in the running game I I was fully expecting there to be one or two plays where army just where the the defense just kind of broke down a little bit missed an assignment and army was off to the races but the biggest breakdown came when like army army's quarterback got hurt so um they brought in a a guy for one play yeah and he threw a touchdown pass on fourth down yeah and that was pretty brutal and yeah that was the most explosive play I think all game for Army, um, so that was pretty disappointing.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. Missouri was out, was without a lot of starters, especially on defense. Oh yeah, a and, lot of injuries before like coming into the game, and then a lot of injuries in the game. Yeah, uh, like Sean Robinson, Jalen um Jelani I think Shawn, Williams. I think Robinson returned, yeah. but um, yeah, uh, Jelani Williams, uh, Allie Green, mm-hmm. all those guys got hurt. Um, in the game and then obviously we are out we are without martez manual um
0: caleb evans caleb evans
1: yeah yeah i think a caleb uh, did a caleb evans he was sitting out right just yeah, yeah. To, and then martez sure. was hurt yeah so i mean we were without seven or eight starters at one point in the game you know it was it was a little rough i would have loved to i'd love to play army again uh at full strength mm-hmm. and with tyler Beatty. i think it's not probably not even that close of a game to be honest right but that's just that's bowl season for you that's how it goes
0: Yeah. And I mean, when you're Missouri and you're rebuilding and you are six and six and kind of get a bottom of the barrel opportunity with a bowl game, then you're going to see more players uh, sitting out. You're going to see coaches encouraging their star running back to not play. Yeah. Uh, You're going to see it just kind of not be as crucial to the program as if, you know, Missouri had a 10 win season and they were. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, you know, Missouri had a six-win
1: six-win bowl game, and they treated it as such, and that's fine. Um, on Tyler Beatty, um, obviously, as a fan, I would have loved to see Tyler Beatty play. I would have loved to win the game. That's that's what I look for, and as a fan, I want to win every game we play. Yeah. Uh, of course, I completely understand the the situation. I completely understand and probably agree with their decision to have him sit out. Um, it it's a it's a bowl game, which is a lot of times kind of an opportunity to see what we have. See what we have for the future, um, and they, sometimes they
0: basically only did that with Brady
1: Cook, though. I know, and I'll get to that, I guess, in a second. Okay. But I, you know, I think that this this point might be a little, you know, easy to misunderstand me potentially. But I sometimes felt like in the season, Tyler Beatty, I, I'm his biggest fan. He's amazing, but I almost felt like at times in the season we kind of leaned on him almost too much at times, and it almost handicapped us because you know instead of maybe playing a more aggressive game we just handed it off to Tyler Beatty 40 times in a game Mm -hmm. and sometimes that worked out and he would you know take advantage of the defense over time in a game but um, it didn't lead to a very uh well-rounded offense no and yeah it's it's predictable and um so I was so I was actually a little bit excited to see Missouri uh what they were going to do without Tyler Beatty what who are they going to turn to and uh, maybe we might see a little more aggressive play call play calling but um yeah and to your point um Dawson Downing got the start which is fine he's a senior it's kind of cool to see a senior start in his last game but
0: um, he did fine five yards per carry yeah. on 14 attempts uh but. Elijah Young also had 13 carries uh, he was at uh, 5.8 yards per attempt uh, had a nice like 21 yard mm-hmm. gain at one point I definitely would have liked to see Elijah Young get the ball
1: more um maybe some BJ Harris too yeah um like you said dawson downing he played good um i think a lot of that was the offensive line completely destroying army's defensive line um but elijah young looked really good when he was in there he's really fast mm-hmm. and i thought that he probably could have broken off some big plays if he had more opportunities
0: yeah and of course dawson downing had the uh fumble yep. that uh, derailed the drive and obviously points on that drive is probably a win for missouri but um overall i thought missouri was pretty poised um they weren't really making too many terrible mistakes you know they had penalties under control um that was the only turnover on the game Mm -hmm. it was uh a really bad turnover but um that happens sometimes yep so i think there was just like it's almost like there was like five different ways missouri could have improved in this game to win to win it Mm -hmm. and they just couldn't do any of them yeah and that's when you're that close and there's like so many just tiny little deficiencies it's uh makes for a frustrating uh outcome but yeah and i mean we even had
1: the chance to win it at the end i mean i was not convinced army's kicker was going to make that kick because oh right he, yeah. he's no harrison Mivas. that's true and that's had yeah already missed one earlier yeah, he had some difficulties this year it sounded like and I was think not they said super he was reliable one of four From 40-plus. Yeah. And And his career-long is 41. And it was a 41-yarder, I think, to to win the game. Yeah, he did. So that's just how it goes. Um, There's been some – were you going to say something? No. There's been – I've seen some chatter from the fan base about um, wanting Coach Drinkwitz to hire an offensive coordinator. What do do you think about that?
0: Probably wouldn't hurt. I mean, I would like it to be – obviously – we know the Chiefs, you know, are a good example of Andy Reid, mm-hmm. like being very much in control of how the offense operates and the play calling and everything. But he still delegates some responsibilities responsibilities to an offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and something like that makes a ton of sense,
1: right? To kind of uh, maybe you're not calling every play, but you guys are; those two people are working together throughout the week to kind yeah. of develop a game plan. It takes more responsibility in game off of coach, uh, you know, because, you know, we've seen some weird decisions. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I would say bonehead, but right. just some, some interesting decisions that maybe I don't fully agree with. Yeah. And maybe if he has somebody to kind of, uh, you know, sound off to a little bit, they can c- come to some better decision-making potentially. There's just a lot to manage in, yeah. the,
0: in the middle of the game. I think it's too early to say that Drinkwitz should not be calling the plays. Um, I don't think really the struggles with the offense for the majority of the season were with the play calling. I mean, I mean, I think, I think he knows his players a lot better than we do and what is going to work on the field. You know, he's doing the scouting on the the defense and all that kind of stuff. So it's hard for me to question. It's, it's easy to question like individual play calls, like the fourth down situation mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but Oh, and overall, like offensive scheme and how they go about it, it seems like he's doing fine. Honestly, yeah, I think the the personnel deficiencies have been greater than the play calling yeah. issues. Yeah, for what it's worth,
1: I don't think he's gonna hire an OC. No, I but wouldn't. I wouldn't guess. I can d- I can understand an argument for a one, but I don't think it's gonna happen.
0: I would see it more of like a, if he had like a long time assistant that had been with him multiple spots. It almost seems like for a coach that is that involved in the play calling he would need to have some kind of like uh padawan if you will <laughs> who he, uh is like bringing up along with him that is like fully ingrained in the offensive system yeah. and he feels comfortable passing on I think you're right uh that responsibility too but i i like you said i don't see that coming anytime soon um I thought Missouri's defense actually held up really well, considering yeah. the injuries and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Army ran the ball 55 times for 211 yards, 3.8 yards per attempt, so which is
1: significantly under their season average. I think it's like 100 yards less than their even season, season average.
0: Yeah, and they they of course they showed that. Uh, uh, stat like uh, army like the second most rushing yeah. yards per game in missouri like 124th in yeah. rushing defense
1: i do think it's a little misleading but it is i mean it's true though that I is mean, the team there are statistics there are nuances though yeah. to those numbers but yeah when you look at those numbers you're like wow
0: army's gonna destroy and um in october yeah. if this game was played then probably army runs for 500 yards potentially but i think uh i think missouri's Front line, the offensive and defensive line both kind of showed in this game that the players are just a little bit different when you go up the ranks into the different conferences and mm-hmm. stuff. And I think uh, Army has not played teams with the size up front that Mizzou has very often this year. And I think it showed in this one
1: yeah i think i read devin nicholson was playing cornerback at one point
0: like we were thin yeah we were and really thin tyler hibbler was in the game who I don't, has like hardly seen the field I don't all, think he all season yeah. yeah yep it was that kind of game they were still had plenty of opportunities to win it though
1: yep i think they should have
0: yeah for sure and uh yeah they, they covered the spread. Spread was uh, six and a half, I well, saw, six points. Was that the
1: finals spread?
0: I don't know. I, I saw six and a half at one point. I saw six another place. So uh, that was honestly borderline insulting to Missouri, especially looking at yeah. uh, the well, outcome.
1: I really think that it was exactly that stat you brought up yeah. Army is amazing at running the ball. That's all they do. And Missouri's terrible at stopping it. And obviously, like I said, there's nuances to that. They improved tremendously throughout the season they were not the 124th best run defense by the time they played that game but they they were so bad at the beginning of the year that they dug themselves in a hole that was impossible to yeah.
0: get out of so they just kind of retained that terrible statistic all year they could have been like remarkably good in the second half of the season and, and still, still like not climb the rankings at all yeah, exactly um so unfortunately missouri did not win this bowl game, just like they haven't won the last few. They have not won a bowl game since the 2014 Citrus Bowl. It was actually uh, the first day of 2015, but the 2014 gotcha. season. Sure. <laughs> uh, Maddie Mock uh, ran a guy over, scored a touch- rushing touchdown that feels like uh, an
1: eternity ago. Yes. Different lifetime almost. But that was the last time they won a bowl game. Hey, well, next time Missouri plays football, Luther Burton's going to be playing for him.
0: That's a plus. And in the spring game, too. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, transition, who's not going to be playing in the spring game? And that is Connor Bazelak. He has um, almost immediately <laughs> announced that he has entered the transfer portal. He will not be returning to Missouri. Um, this is not all that surprising. Um, After of, what happened last night, Oh, not surprising. Yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised even if he played last night, honestly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, with him not playing in the bowl game and um, – obviously sam horn highly touted recruit coming in uh they're giving brady cook a look in this game he looked really good yeah it was just it makes sense for him to move on and find another place to be a starting quarterback mm-hmm. and um what does that mean now for the quarterback room i've seen a lot of talk about yep. we, we gotta desperately bring in a transfer quarterback some people think sam horn's gonna step in and be the starter day one A lot of people are probably going to be on the Brady Cook hype train after this game. Mm -hmm. So where do you fall? Um, Honestly,
1: I think we don't add a transfer quarterback. Um, Is that
0: a prediction or what you would prefer? I think that's probably what I would
1: prefer at this point. Um, Because, I mean, unless there's just some guy that's yet to announce and he somehow wants to come here. You know, there was Spencer Rattler, Adrian Martinez. There were some pretty big names that maybe I would have been interested in. Uh, Bo Nix. Mm-hmm. There were some guys that I thought were maybe worth giving a look to as kind of a one-year guy to come in and, and be the best possible player we have on the roster to lead the team for one year, and then we move on. All those three guys have gone, you know, somewhere. Rattler went to South Carolina. Adrian Martinez is at Kansas State, who will play next year. And Bo Nix went to Bo Nix went to Oregon. So those options are gone. Um, if we do add a transfer quarterback, I kind of feel like the only way we do that as if it's kind of just for depth Mm -hmm. and I don't really think that there's like a one-year surefire guy like a Kelly Bryant situation where a guy comes in for one year and is for sure the starter I don't see that happening um, personally and I don't know that I want it to because I think it might just kind of mess up the chemistry maybe in the room and you know you're dealing with with human beings here that are all counting on having their shot to play And, you know, you've got Tyler Macon and Brady Cook and Sam Horn all thinking that they're going to have, you know, a shot to win the job next year. I just don't know that you bring in a fourth guy to to vie for that position.
0: I agree with you. I think uh, unless we unless there was a guy that was like, okay, we're all in with this guy as the starter. That's not a quarterback competition. We're bringing this guy in to start, which, you know, we've kind of established. It doesn't seem like that's out there anymore. Um, Bringing in somebody else to battle it out for the quarterback spot. Um, just says that you're not, you don't like what you have. Yep. And you're just basically back in the same scenario as if, if Bayes like had stayed, mm-hmm. where it's 100%. this, you know, this three, like three man, yeah. maybe four man uh, quarterback competition um, with only players that haven't done great or have not played at all, basically.
1: Yep. I think uh, not adding a big name is a vote of confidence to the guys you have in the room and i think that's what's going to happen i mean having three quarterbacks on the roster i think you might want to have a fourth guy just for emergency situations but i don't think it's going to be some big name guy no.
0: and they kind of always have you know like um walk-ons or like yeah, no that's true death i think pieces that you that never see the field but yeah, are there just in case
1: a couple walk-on like uh Samsel, i think is his name i mm-hmm. think they've got a couple guys that are emergency Drew Locke's cousin yeah <laughs> emergency guys so yeah, I, I, I just don't... I don't see them adding another quarterback at this point.
0: No, that's fine with me. Um, okay, so then... I'm putting you on the spot. This is way too early to even be speculating on this. Who's starting uh, Game 1 next year?
1: I'm going to say Brady Cook does. And uh, the only reason I say that, and which is crazy, because I think he may have the lowest ceiling of the three guys as far as potential. Mm-hmm. Like, how could... in the best In the best-case scenario if all these guys reach their highest potential, I think he is the lowest potential of the three. Um, But I still think that he's the safest, most polished option at this point and probably still will be, you know, seven, eight months from now. But, you know, Sam Horn, obviously probably the highest ceiling of the three, but he's getting to campus two months before the season starts. And that is a ton of responsibility for a true freshman quarterback that's been on campus for two months. I just... I mean, maybe he starts, but I just don't. I I don't think that he will know the playbook to a level that coach will be happy with at that point, and that's fine. I mean, I wouldn't expect. No, I mean, hardly anybody does that.
0: Right. And uh, yeah, if he was getting to campus in January, that'd be a little bit different story. But I think that's true. um, And now Brady Cook conceivably will have uh, a full off season to you know be potentially the starter Mm -hmm. and work with the first team and uh, really take control. Yeah, so I think that'd be fine with me. Yeah, I think uh, Brady Cook is
1: the most complete package at the point with a guy that's a threat on the ground. He's very fast. I mean, he showed that last night. He showed that he is has the potential to to sling it around a little bit. Yeah, hit his receivers in stride, make contested catches, and you know stay cool in the pocket, make good decisions, even at the the end of the game when the game was on the line. He let him all the way down the field for Absolutely. a ninety nine yard score. So, I think he's the most complete player at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, 23 uh, or 27 of 34 passing for three hundred or 238 yards is a better game at quarterback than we've seen yeah. since, what, like the Kentucky game? Yeah, I'm, probably. I'm probably forgetting something, but... Yeah. 238 yards when they could get almost anything they wanted on the ground is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, seven yards uh, per attempt, which is, you know, we were seeing just terribly low yeah yards per attempt exactly with
1: yeah and he that that was uh, that's a good point i mean that kind of seemed like is this a base like thing is this a coach Drinkwitz thing and i think after watching the game last night i feel like it may have just been a base like thing because uh there were definitely some lateral passes um that look ingrained into the play calling mm-hmm. but brady cook was definitely not afraid to throw to the middle of the field and you know he was just hitting guys wide open in the middle of the field at times at the towards the end of the game and stuff so yeah he was throwing it all over
0: yeah, works for me. Um, anything else about this bowl game, or uh, any of the any of the players from this year's team? Any, anything else on that? Uh, not right now, I guess. With the way the basketball
1: team is looking, I think we'll have plenty of time to to share any football thoughts we have this off season. That's
0: true. Uh, so then, another news item uh, from the past week is Missouri got a commitment from an in-state player for the class of twenty twenty three. Yeah, Missouri landed Ja'Kai Lang
1: last uh, Friday, I think. And uh, we had a good feeling that he was going to be a part of Missouri's class going into it, Uh, but it's still good to see him put on the Missouri hat. He's a 6'3", 240-pound edge rusher from Troy, Missouri, so an in-state guy. Uh, He did play a little bit of nose tackle as well, but he was first-team all-state his junior season. Um, I think he's ranked 10th on both rivals and 24 rankings for in-state. Correct. Um, I think he probably could be a little higher than that. Uh, but he said a couple of things in, in, in a different, in different interviews. Uh, he said he trains with Marcus Gracial and, or Marquise Graciel and kind of seeing him and Luther Burden go to Missouri was, uh, pretty big for him. Mm. And I mean, that's what you like to hear yep. is, is the domino effect of, of those big, those big players going to Missouri is helps us down the road. And you can kind of see how that's helping with a very important 2023 class. Um, Another thing that he said in in an interview with 24 seven, which I think is one of my favorite things I've heard a recruit say in a really long time. um, He just said, I heard the best players in Missouri play for Missouri. And that's, I mean, that's, he can't get much better than that. That's what we've been trying to build for so long is keep the in-state guys here. And uh, make it mean something to play for the home state, and it looks like, man, you know, for some guys that might be catching on a little bit.
0: Yeah, I um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it's you can't undersell how the the reality of how many good players come out of the state of Missouri every year, and yeah, just the simple reality that if those players decided to, if Missouri was able to get. You know, three of the top five players in the state every year, and still grab, you know, an East St. Louis guy from time to time, a Kansas City, Kansas guy from time to time, then we would be right there at the top of college football, you know? Um, maybe not every single year, but that would be so huge in uh, establishing Missouri as an actual contender in the SEC. So I love that. Uh, I love that that's the communication with uh, the recruits, and um, there's four guys at the top of the list in the state of Missouri for 2023 that are not committed yet, uh, but seem to be leaning to programs that are not Missouri, so um, the staff has some work to do with uh, 2023 still, but there's opportunity to have another awesome class there, and uh, we're starting it off right with two in-state recruits committing. All right, is that all for football, you think? I'm ready to move on. Missouri won a basketball game. If you can remember, they played Utah uh, not too long ago. They beat Utah at home 83-75. to Kobe Brown with an excellent game, 27 points. He was your Ken Palm MVP. Uh, got to the free throw line a ton, 11-13 of 13, um, from the stripe. Um, Kyle, I think I already told you my answer to this question, so I'm going to ask you, is the Utah game that we just watched is that this team's ceiling? Is uh, that the best we can expect them to play for a whole game?
1: It's very possible. Um, Missouri still didn't shoot very well from three. I, you know, they're not a good shooting team. Obviously, we know that at this point.
0: Four of twenty-one.
1: There, yeah, f- yeah, they could definitely shoot. Uh, I think they could shoot better than that. But realistically, I mean, they they could shoot better than that. But I'm not sure that Kobe Brown's going to have the game he has every right. game. So. Um, I guess, yeah. That's probably the
0: best Missouri's going to look all year. So the bad news is Utah was without their best player, who is a big man and um, probably would have limited Kobe Brown to some extent. Mm -hmm. He's probably not going for 27 if Utah's big guy's there. And this is a game that uh, Utah's offense did okay, even without their best player. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they scored 75 points, and I think this would have been, um, I don't know, they shot well from three yeah they did for sure so maybe that gets balanced out a little bit but win is a win we'll take it um yeah
1: i mean it was it was great to see missouri take advantage
0: of of a disadvantage that
1: the other team had i mean they were it felt kind of last minute that they at least maybe i found out last minute but they adjusted and they fed kobe brown and mm-hmm. he had like what 27 points mm-hmm. um so it was good to see them you know take advantage of of a situation like that and um You know, sometimes you just wonder like is there just a struggle to watch on offense and you just wonder sometimes like are they doing their best to exploit mismatches? But they definitely did in that game and um you know, it it almost felt like uh the I think the T V announcers said I think it was Tom Hart Mm -hmm. and Sonvold Mm -hmm. and they almost said basically, you know, Utah's pretty small outside of the big guy that they didn't have And it almost looked like Missouri was playing really well because it almost felt like a mid-major opponent because they were so undersized. And that makes sense. I mean, Mm -hmm. Missouri, and we'll
0: talk about Illinois in a second, but, I mean, they were destroyed by Kofi Coburn, who was huge. Yeah, before we get to that, Amari Davis, nice bounce-back game for him against Utah. Uh, I think he was held scoreless against Kansas, but bounced back with 17 points um, against Utah. Uh, Still, though, Four of 21 from three. That's 19%. Yeah, Missouri is very close to dead last in all of college basketball in three-point shooting percentage. It's not good. They're able to get it done in the paint sometimes, but, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just move on to Illinois because not a whole lot went right in this one. Uh, Missouri lost to Illinois 88-63. to uh, Illinois went on two different runs in this game, uh, one 23 to four and another one 21 to one as hard to combat. Uh, Missouri had a run of their own 11-0 at one point to, uh, in the first half to kind of get the, the deficit a little bit more manageable. But then right at the end, of the end of the first half into the beginning of the second half was that 21 to one run. And uh, of course, we're watching the football game at the same time. So we've got like one. I'm at Kyle's house. We're watching one on the TV, one on the computer, and uh, it's hard. You know, I didn't catch every single play yeah. of every game perfectly, mm-hmm. but it was like, okay, let, we're paying attention to the basketball game now. Like, okay, Missouri's trying to get back in this. They went on a little run, uh, scoring the ball. Okay, and then something happened, and Illinois just. Oh, it was. Uh, yeah. Javon Pickett had a breakaway he was gonna like go up and slam it you know do his uh, like a ri- s- breakaway steal yeah rivalry game thing <laughs> and uh he got fouled from behind and it uh, was on the floor and
1: they took a TV timeout I think yeah
0: didn't even get free throws and then I think Missouri like turned the ball over on their next yeah. possession just stalled everything and there was a momentum there and just completely vanished and Illinois that's when they sparked that 21 to one yeah run it's like it's so weird watching them it's like you know everyone they
1: look fine sometimes and you know they were kind of hanging tough with them there for a little bit in the first half and then they just all of the sudden just run out of it yeah it's like this they got some kind of juice and all when that juice is gone it's gone yeah and there's nothing there right and they can't score for minutes at a time and that and, and there,
0: we've seen that's not you know we saw that a bit last yeah year. that's college basketball that happens sometimes. yeah there's runs but but it's bad in years past, I feel like Missouri's defense. It's like okay, if they can hold a team to like a twelve, twelve zero run, twelve to one run, eighteen to four run, those are still not great. But at least the team isn't you know just piling on twenty points in four minutes of game time. Right. Yeah. The and de- the
1: defense is bad too. So it just they let the runs happen, and their offense is bad, so they can't recover yeah. either. So yeah.
0: they just get buried, and yeah. it's just like so there i don't remember so many games just so clearly being over oh yeah you know like that the same thing happened in the kansas game you know they got it down to single digit uh deficit and then there was a run and it's over it's long gone Mm -hmm. um boogie coleman 16 points on nine shots he had a pretty good game offensively kobe had 13 um he's he's probably your best bet to score in double figures, like pretty much every single game.
1: Yeah. He's got a high floor.
0: And, um, the biggest surprise in the last few games has been, uh, Trevon Brazil. Yeah. In this one, he had 11 points, six blocks. He blocked Kofi Coburn a few times Yeah. and five rebounds. And for a freshman who I, and we've kind of talked about this before like three games, a freshman who hasn't played much and was considered a project. Yep at least from the fan base, Konzo to his credit is acting like that he was he planned was to be a part of the rotation from day one. And the, you know, medical issues were keeping him out, but, uh, he looks really good. I think I'll have to look at the record books, but if he does anything close to this, he'll be setting a Mizzou freshman record for blocks. I would say,
1: yeah, he has a very bright future and Missouri has got some pieces, but you know, we talked about it a little bit last night and it was, um, was almost the kevin purrier situation early on in his career you know he he was a good player but just he shouldn't these players should not be depended upon to you know score double digits every night to be able to win and kobe brown's a great player but ideally he's not your best player and you know um i don't know it's just yeah and and brazil
0: ideally is not starting there's a talent deficiency issue and it's it's glaring yeah um kofi coburn had 25 points and 14 rebounds Illinois shot 63% from two and 48% from three. There were stretches They're where made, they just made everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. And they were even without uh, Corbello, uh, arguably their best player. Yeah. At least uh, he's their probably their player with the most NBA potential.
1: Yeah. After a while, whenever the other team just makes everything, you start to think, uh, okay, it's just
0: not, it's not a luck thing anymore. I think we just have terrible defense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Coburn was just a monster. Yeah. I, he had... He
1: looked more He's
0: athletic like, than I thought he was capable of in yeah. this game.
1: He was playing. It looked like he was playing high schoolers. Basically, he was. Yeah. Some of some of our players are yeah, pretty young. Not young. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I thought Brazil was actually like the best defender on him. Probably, he was mm-hmm. at least athletic enough to meet him at the rim. Yeah. Um, and quick enough to stay in front of him. Everybody else, I don't know. He's, should Should Jordan Wilmore play a single minute the rest of the season? I. No I mean probably not. <laughs> I don't i say give all the minutes to Brazil at the five. Yep. He can stretch the floor a little bit. He didn't I don't think he made a three in this one but
1: yeah I mean Kobe Brown struggled a little bit on on Coburn but yeah. I mean what do you do? He got called for some cheap fouls too just doing Absolutely. his best to, yeah. when Coburn was initiating contact and stuff. For sure. there's just nothing you can do at some
0: point. So Mizzou falls to six and six on the season. They are 155 in Kim Pom. That is squarely Kim Anderson territory, for oh, yeah. those that didn't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, even Kim
1: Anderson would make the bragging rights games close sometimes, but obviously Illinois is probably better now than they were in that
0: stretch. But Yeah, yeah Missouri won uh, three in a row, though, b- before this one, so Illinois was due, I think, and yeah. they're good this year. Yeah. Illinois is very good. Uh, Missouri uh, Missouri
1: might have stole one last year a little bit, getting to play at home. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Illinois was uh, really good last Brad year. Brad
0: Underwood definitely seems to think so. Yeah. Um, Missouri's offense ranked 192, defense 130. So not, not getting better there. Um, this is definitely a 200-level offense. It'll, oh, yeah. That'll happen very quickly. I think
1: they might be sub-200 in both categories,
0: to be honest. Uh, surely their defense won't get that bad. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the SEC is is pretty good, and we're starting SEC play uh, right away. Um, I mentioned obviously we know their three point shooting struggles, but literally their offense, Missouri's offense, is 355th out of 358 in three point field goal percentage. That They're, surprises nobody. And uh, Missouri's defense, 331st in field goal three point field goal percentage allowed. So.
1: Not a good combo. <sighs> Just take out the three-point line.
0: Honestly, Missouri is still shooting too many threes. <laughs> like, there's no yeah. way they we should, should be shooting this many. Like 25
1: threes. threes in the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: Missouri does have the 21st best um, defensive uh, field, free throw percentage allowed. So.
1: Oh wow. Yeah, something that's completely <laughs> has nothing to do with their play whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Um one of the most alarming things possibly in these like advanced metrics is the often missouri's offense non-steal turnover percentage in, a- in other words giving the ball away yeah traveling violations stepping out of bounds throwing the ball away 332nd <laughs> not very good yikes Uh, The good news is, just kidding, it's terrible news. Uh, They play Kentucky (laughs) next Wednesday. Kentucky is uh, the 11th best team in the country, according to Ken Palm. 11th on offense, 30th on defense. And they have a big man in Oscar Tashibwe, who is in the conversation for player of the year, like national college player of the year. He's very, very good. He transferred to Kentucky uh, from West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And he is shooting 65% from the field. He's a um, traditional big man. He is the best rebounding player in all of college basketball. Just eats up rebounds, offensive glass, defensive glass. Doesn't matter. He gets rebounds. He dunks everything. He finishes at the Ram at an elite level, and he's going to destroy Missouri <laughs> in a very similar way that Kofi Coburn did. And there's nothing we can worse. do about it.
1: Yeah. And he's got a great guard. Uh, severe wheeler that can feed him too. Yeah. Kentucky
0: just decided, you know, our high school recruiting has been a little bit hit yeah. or miss lately. So we're just going to go take the best player from one, from another sec team. Yeah. And yeah, we're going to have point guard severe wheeler. One of the best distributing point guards in the country. Um, not a huge scoring threat, but he can still do it. He gets, he can, he's a very good free throw shooter. Uh, but one of the best assist guys in the country play solid defense he's scrappy he
1: destroyed Missouri last year when he played for Georgia yeah yeah it's interesting kind of seeing their recruiting philosophy change a little bit over the years and it kind of came to a I don't know it kind of fell apart last year especially for Kentucky whenever they just were going all you know five-star freshmen you know and they they struggled to shoot and I think they had some leadership issues they just weren't very good last year and but it's a shame they figured out this other outlet for finding good players experienced players that have proven themselves at college level yeah um just taking the best players of a lower level it works out really really well
0: yeah they start uh three juniors a senior and a freshman and their freshman uh ty ty washington he's uh just a solid combo guard like he does not look like a freshman um he distributes the ball some from the two spot a pretty good three-point shooter. Um, He's just solid. He's just a solid shooting guard. And then they've got another wing player, Kellen Grady, who all he does is make threes. He just makes three-pointers, shooting 48% from three. Uh, Plays a ton of minutes. He doesn't really do anything else. (laughs) He is one of the better offensive players in the country just because like, efficiency rating-wise, because... He just makes three-pointers. Yeah. You can't all shut, game, him, you can't shut them all down. No. Somebody's always going to be open. I do think it's interesting, though, that Kentucky, um, you know, John Calipari is, like, a pretty, like, forward-thinking um, college basketball coach. You know, he's always ready to do whatever the new thing is mm-hmm. to have a good roster. And he has had, like, He's gone in on like positionless basketball, switch everything, have a bunch of forwards that can do a little bit of everything to different degrees of success. And this year, he just kind of pivoted into a very traditional facilitating point guard, a big man who just cleans the glass and finishes at the rim and surround those two with good shooters and you've got a really good team. They yeah. play really good team defense as well. So it's re- it's coming together for Calipari this year. And yeah. it's just interesting to see. I think that's the mark of a really good coach yeah. is his adaptability. Obviously, it helps you're getting any way you go about it, you're mm-hmm. getting really talented players.
1: Yeah, but having the ability to adapt and, and and be good with different styles, I think that it's, like you said, the mark of a good coach. And, I mean, I personally kind of um, envy that a little bit. Um, you know, right now we've... Kind of tried. We've been trying to go the positionless route for a couple of years, and I think we finally have the personnel that you might say, "Oh, this is a position positionless roster." And we are horrible. Yeah. And I kind of almost covet having a point guard that's distributing, and you know, a tra- more traditional big, and mm-hmm. uh, that isn't Jordan Wilmore. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. It seems like that's the only place where this the Missouri staff is like, "Okay, we'll go traditional with a big man." You know, like, we really like having Tillman. And we'll bring in, you know, another seven-footer, but obviously not working out. Um, yeah, and uh, Missouri has been kind of locked into this point-forward, you know, four-man distributing the ball from the top of the key uh, scheme all of Conzo Martin's time at Missouri. Yeah, um, it
1: might be a Cornell man thing.
0: Regardless of who... That player is, you know, yep. it was supposed to be Michael Porter Jr. It ended up being Kevin Perrier. It was, it was supposed to be John Tate Porter. It ended up being Kevin Perrier. Yeah. Now it's Kobe Brown and a few other forwards. Yeah.
1: This, I mean, we've had some ugly games this year. This being at Rupp might take the cake as the worst game we play all year.
0: Yeah, I mean, considering it, their personnel on the road. Yeah. This the uh, margin of defeat for Missouri. If you, you know, add Kansas, uh, Illinois, you and Casey. Yeah. <laughs> Kansas, uh, <laughs> Illinois, and this Kentucky game. Yeah. That's going to be, uh, uh, you a might combine uh, like 300 points. You'd be hard pressed <laughs> to find another three game uh, stretch. Yeah. With a uh, worse margin of defeat for Missouri. Yeah. On that note. Well, anyway, <laughs> see
1: you guys next week. <laughs> Merry Christmas,
0: everyone. Uh, um, do I feel like uh, you're supposed to do some kind of like Christmas-themed segment at Christmas time, So I'm going to...
1: Who told you that?
0: uh, Watching media. Podcast gods? Yeah. Watching (laughs) sports media for, you know, 20 years of my life has Mm -hmm. taught me that you're supposed to incorporate the holidays somehow. Mm. But uh, we're going to gift the Missouri football team with some impact transfers. There you go. uh, Especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, that'd be a nice gift for them. Uh, We're going to gift the missouri basketball six team, million dollars six million dollars or whatever you want to use it for yeah <laughs> yeah you know i don't know if they if it's earmarked for a buyout then even better but uh yeah i think that's all for this week i think that's it special thank you to our patreon supporters at the ten dollar level and above brit treese brian smith ryan lee tristan ben smith parker daddy Day, daddy jd lewis hernandez and tim keens Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, you
1: can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sportspod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Thank
0: you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. Do I usually say something else? Sounds right